and welcome to this week's episode of Say What You Mean. I'm Jeff. I am Jake. But what's your last name? <laughs> I know, we were just we were just discussing the new Star Wars. Skywalker. Yeah, so. that was just was just bad. Yeah. I just rewatched four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Wow, that's a marathon. Yeah. Jen and I have been like watching just putting it on in the background and then playing Yahtzee. So that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it, once you've seen them, you can kind of like. I kind of forgot how good Return of the Jedi is. Return is good. It's good, dude. That moment on when uh, Luke goes and is like, "I'm gonna face Vader," and they meet right there in that mm-hmm. hallway. Yeah, and he's like, oh, "Just that." I forgot that was a moment that happened, and I was like, "Wait, whoa, 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 what is this?" Mm-hmm. And then they just talk about him. And he's like, "No, you'll come see the Emperor," and he's like, "Come on, Father." I was like. I don't remember this. Yeah. Was, uh, it's it's better well, than it, I remember. It, it was such a good um it was such a good uh like kind of crescendo to Luke's like story arc. Right. Because in the second in this in the second film when he faces Vader for the first time with a lightsaber he gets the beat down. Yeah, well he gets beat down but he's almost kind of scared to do it. And oh. this and then in this time like well he did it almost kind of out of like he was almost kind of forced into right. it, but in this time he, he chose, he chose to go meet Vader. Right, he was way more emotional too. He's like, yeah. "I gotta save my friends," because mm-hmm. he saw the future. And this time me. he calmly walks into, yeah, like, calmly walks into the danger. See, that's a great confidence. analysis right there. So it was, I don't know, it was just really, really well done. I love the talk that he had with Leia, um, too, mm-hmm. before, uh, before he goes and, and meets Vader, mm-hmm. and they're talking in the woods before mm-hmm. he does that. And he's talking about how he's going to train her and like how she's a Jedi. And like they talk about like it basically reveals that they're right. They're related. And yeah. I don't know. Did you like was... that scene in Rise of what is the new one? The What is the last one? Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. Where Leia's training. That was that was cool. It was kind of cool. Yeah. It's crazy what they do with CGI. Mm-hmm. It is. It is crazy. I just did not. It just that movie felt so disjointed, mostly because I think it was. Abrams tr- having to yeah. correct for, like, absolutely for what uh, Ryan Johnson did. Yeah, but it was just like seemingly there was like just a bunch of little short clips, oh. just pieced mailed together to try to create, to try to create an over, but then failed to create this overarching theme. Right, because there was just so many things going on simultaneously, and it was just like okay, they're here, and now they're here, and now they're here, and then they're here. I, I still can't get over, and I don't know if, like, the internet has addressed this, but Finn being like, I have to tell you something, and then never telling They Ray. never, there are so many things that they just didn't address. Like, um, what is it, uh, who is that, that um, Imperial, the General first Hux? order? Yeah, Hux. Yeah. All of, and then all of a sudden, he just was a, he was a spy? Yeah. The entire time? Like, I don't know if he was the entire time. I think you could argue, like... I think this is JJ at the end of what was it? Uh, the, uh, the, the Last Jedi. At the end of Last Jedi with Ryan Johnson. That was his movie. Oh yeah, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So at the end of that, you kind of see what's his name, uh, uh, Ren turn mm-hmm. and become more like just overpowering Hux, right? Yeah. And just being like, "Get out of my way!" Like this is what yeah. I'm doing. So I think that was abram's response to that okay like, i guess huck says i don't care who wins just as long as it's not kylo yes yes okay. yes 
I, I mean, after watching four through nine, I see a lot more ties in uh, seven, eight, nine mm-hmm. with the original trilogy. Okay. There's there's some little subtle hints in there that I think tie together nicely, but I think I just the the failure for me of the entire series I think can be summed up the of the not the entire series but of of uh, seven eight nine yeah was that the only characters I gave a shit about <laughs> were the ones from the original tr- from the original trilogy four five six right because I didn't dude I didn't ca- dude I didn't care I didn't care about Poe I really didn't care about Finn. from the beginning. No, not really. Dude, in the beginning, maybe, I... Maybe I could have grown to like them. Right. But I don't know. It's just like you instantly had an attachment to Han, right? Like yeah. from in, in episode four, as soon as you you see him like kill Greedo with his blaster, like, I don't know. There's something like that was really badass that yeah. they tried to create with Poe that didn't, I don't really felt worked. Right. I felt like they could have done a really good job with Poe as if they had had Wedge as more of a... Um, like a and duo, right? It's like a duo, okay. because, and like and like a handing off of Wedge to Poe, the leader of Rogue Squadron, right? Rogue, that would tie back Rogue Squadron back to the original trilogy in a right. way, where it's just I don't know. See, there's Cause so the, Wedge because in in canon Wedge trained Poe. Oh, really? Yeah. How do you know that? I read it because <laughs> what Wedge is like my favorite. Wedge is mm. one of my favorite characters, so, like side characters from the entire like saga the force awakens i loved that movie it was obviously as far as story arc mm-hmm. identical to every other star wars movie that's yeah. ever been made which is comfort i mean it's comfortable it's right it's familiar it's but good. in those movies i in that first movie i was interested about the original characters yeah finn like oh i can't wait to see where finn goes i can't mm-hmm. wait to see where ray goes even even poe like he does I, I don't know i think the if i go back to the first time i saw that movie I was interested in like, oh, these characters could be interesting and this could be fun, but it just what it just got ruined. Mm-hmm. Like Poe trying to like in 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 Last Jedi, like trying to like overpower everything and be like, no, I want to be in charge. Like that's not the character I thought I was going to see. No, I love the first scene with Poe where he's meeting up with what's his name and they're like passing the information mm-hmm. th- of the map to walk Skywalker like that whole spy element to it. Yeah, I liked which is what worked in Rogue One. Rogue One is so good. It's the best star. I think it's the best Star Wars movie. That's not named the original four, not the original or three. three. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I love that movie. That movie's good. Rogue and One. You care. Sh- it shows the gritty dirty kind of just underbelly of the empire and right. the stuff that was like i don't know it was really good and i think that's one thing that as bad as solo was as yeah. a movie it showed i loved how much of the expanded universe so solo right. sh- solo showed you especially what it looked like to be a frontline even though it was just a glimpse what it looked like to be a frontline fighter for the like for the empire mm-hmm. as they were as their global expansion was taking place right um after order Galactical 66 expansion yeah because they're fighting on this like super muddy world against these like indigenous cultures and it really yeah. gives you kind of that, that i gotta imperial, watch that colonial again. like like uh kind of vibe yeah and I think it really takes like what the allure of the games, like mm-hmm. Battle Battlefront Two, and because you get to play as like a frontline soldier, right? It takes that kind of feel and puts it into like the movies, right. which I think works really well. But overall, Solo was a terrible. I, I haven't seen it. Solo since was a really bad movie. But that is why, uh, 
after now, like being an adult and and being interested in the things that I'm interested in, I kind of love the original tri- like the the prequels. Mm-hmm. I kind of love them. I like, dude. I I went back and rewatched Phantom Menace mm-hmm. and uh, even Clone Wars. Yeah. And if you can get past the wait, crap- Clone Wars or oh, Attack of the Clones? The, sorry, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. If you can get past the shitty acting, yeah, and the over kind of over reliance on some really bad CGI, and then yeah. just like the real, the the audience kid characters, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can get past that, I think you can like it's there. It's a good. It's they're good movies. They are good I movies. Think as a younger kid, those things appealed to me. But now that I'm older, I don't care about Anakin. I don't care about Jar Jar. I don't care about the Gungans or whatever. What I do care about is just the political thread through all of it. And yeah. just the corruption of power and mm-hmm. overtaking power. I'm like, holy crap, this you know, is good. You know, it was one thing that I wish I had. Like, so I was talking to Dr. Lopez um, a little while back, and he was talking to me about a new class that he was trying to um, he was trying to get mm-hmm. like picked up by Washington State, and it's basically political science and literature. And he was talking about using Star Wars and Star Trek to talk uh-huh. about like the broader themes of realism, liberalism, and oh. like power and the nature of power and authority. And I'm like, why didn't you offer that when Holy I was there? Crap, that would be so <laughs> wouldn't fun. That, wouldn't that have been a good? Um, Did you? Who'd you take for uh, Roots? Did you take Roots? I didn't take Roots. Oh, dude. Because I transferred in with my AA. Yeah, so I didn't. So I, didn't to. so I took it, but I took it with Welchel, and mm. he did like a lesson where. Uh, he used Star Trek because he's loves Star mm-hmm. Trek. Yeah. Um, and I just love that. That's what I. That's why I was an English major at first. Is looking at this this fiction, right? But then what I fell in love with with English was the the real world that that fiction was written mm-hmm. in, and how it reflects the yeah. real world, and how how sometimes these pieces of art can continue to echo and teach lessons yeah i mean i don't know how many episodes we're gonna name after animal farm (laughs) right (laughs) it's just like every time it's just like come on like what how amazing is that book yeah it's so good (sighs) um frank frankenstein is a lot of the way like the Mm, the original book that's right you did read that is really like you can take a lot of a lot of uh nature of um like the relationship between science science religion Mm -hmm. society this is going to sound super pretentious but with all this like everything that's going on in the world um and i recently made tamales i was like i'm gonna go back and read some of my old papers Mm -hmm. and i read this paper that i wrote for african-american literature and the whole time i'm like reading it i just look at jen i'm like damn oh damn she's like what and i was like i'm a genius (laughs) <laughs> like, awesome. sometimes i'm reading it and i'm like i can't believe i wrote this oh it's, so the other i'm the other i'm really? the opposite i hate you're probably smarter you've gotten smarter i feel like i've gotten progressively dumber no but i read even the tamale paper dude so i made did i tell you about my mexican ex- explorations Mm-mm. okay so i'm trying to trying to connect culturally to mexican culture and so I've been working on Spanish. I did tell you about that. Yeah. But um, I was like, I want to start. I'm, a, I'm such a foodie. You know, history mm-hmm. of food is my favorite yeah. course that I took. Um, I was like, I want to try to learn how to cook more Mexican dishes. So I cooked uh, pasole, which is a Mexican soup. And it was incredible. 
And then I was like, well, what do I want to make next? And then tamales over always, always has loomed over my head because one, I love tamales, dude. But my mom always told me like she and I always love her tamales, but she'd always be like, oh, they're so hard to make. They're such a pain in the ass to make. So I was like, that is terrifying to like even approach because mm-hmm. of how hard it sounds. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So last weekend was not a good weekend emotionally, mm-hmm. but uh what I did was Saturday night, I got all the ingredients for the filling and I created the meat filling. But then my, I knew my sister was coming over with Alex Sunday Sunday um, for Father's Day. So I was like, I need to make a vegetarian mix or stuffing because my sister's vegetarian. So I made a vegetarian stuffing and then they came over and we went and walked the Cougar Trails. It was awesome. Um, we literally walked from, you know, orange on the far mm-hmm. by the entrance yeah. down the hill all the way down the hill of death by gray lot. Oh yeah. And then back out towards and down towards this side over by these trails. And then that's when I sent you that video of that yeah. building mm-hmm. and then back around and then up through the middle of campus back to orange. That's a, that's a, it was awesome. That's a bit of a walk. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, the hill of death. Yeah. That's for sure. I was telling Alex and, uh, my sister all about it. And I'm like, Dude, Jake Jake brought this up the other day. I don't and a comment, uh, uh, Nermi's comment. You were just like the oh, the hill from Gray. It was talking about trying to breathe quietly so nobody <laughs> knows you're out of shape, and you're like the hill by Gray a lot. And I'm like, oh, that hill, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, Try doing that with that my big ass bin. Yeah. every single day for mm-hmm. all of spring semester. Nope. Um, but then when we came back, I was like, all right ladies we're making tamales and i had a whole tamale factory going like alex was making the matzah and i was stuffing them and then my sister was like keeping them all mm-hmm. organized and wrapped dude the vegetarian was amazing i bet yeah. it was almost better than the meat stuff did kind. you just like did you just use green chilies no i used tomato onion green chili corn uh and cheese Mexican oh. cheese. Okay. Dude, it I was bet that was so good. That sounds really good. It was amazing. Dude, and the I corn like loved... stayed like, oh, like it, it like popped when you bit into it oh. still. Oh, so good. Anyways, I want to tell you about a conversation that I had with Alex. Okay. So this kid is so smart. She's so smart. And she always wants to talk about like it it, it scares me because I want her to be a kid, mm-hmm. but she is smart enough to like inquire about the real world at a level that we can have a, a deep conversation she was really quiet when she came down to the town of my property she was really quiet yeah. you should ask her about i don't know i, the, I tried as I, I tried talking to her about school i don't know if you caught that i was like what's yeah. your favorite subject and yeah just yeah you guys met that first time maybe that's yeah. why she's quiet she'll she'll be better next time you guys are okay. but uh so we're walking and we're talking about like everything that's happening, and she said that she's she's like you know I saw online that um this girl was like posting like kind of racist things or like you know microaggressions or borderline racist mm-hmm. right, and then somebody messaged her and said hey what college are you going to and then they messaged the college and then that girl lost her scholarship and isn't going to that college, mm-hmm. and Alex is telling me that she she saw this like exchange or like a screen cap of this exchange right. So I asked her, I said, well, what do you think about that? What do you think about them preventing this girl, woman, from going to school? That's so cool that you ask her her opinion because so many people would just be like, try to tell the kid I'll how, never tell how, her. how they should feel or whatever. No. Yeah. I want her to, I'm, I'm trying to, to guide her into thinking critically mm-hmm. 
opposed to one being told what to think, right? Yeah. Um, so I said, what do you think about that? And she's like, well, and she, she repeats things that I've heard on the online that I know that she read. And she's like, well, that makes sense. So I'm going to say that. So she goes, well, I think that, you know, not letting her having her not go to the college prevents, you know, that could prevent a racist doctor or that could prevent a racist teacher. And I said, absolutely. That is that is an absolute argument. And I've seen that argument be made. And I said, but let me let me pose this scenario for you, Alex. And she's like, "Okay." And I was like, you have somebody who thinks that way or may may think they think that way. Right. But now by not not have not allowing them the opportunity to go to college, you're also preventing the opportunity to learn and grow and interact with different kinds of people they may not have the opportunity to interact with and engage with people from different cultures and backgrounds. And now you have now removed the opportunity for that person to change. Mm -hmm. Not only have you possibly, yes, prevented a racist doctor, but you have also prevented the opportunity for a racist to change. Yeah. And she's like, I never thought about it like that. And I was like, this is what I want you to do, kid. <laughs> I was like, next time somebody poses some some argument to you, I want you to stop and think about it for a minute and say, what could be the counter argument to mm -hmm. this? What is a counterfactual? Yeah. If this and isn't she, true, then what is? Yeah. And then she go and I go, it could be as simple as like, I don't like it. That could be the counter argument. And think about that counter argument. Okay. Why don't they like it? And just develop those mm -hmm. thoughts and ideas from the counterpoint. So that way you've thought about it from different angles and you can have more of a complete idea about a scenario. Yeah. So when somebody says you're preventing racist doctors, you can now present this other argument. It's not black and mm -hmm. white. Life is nuanced. Yeah. And, and I don't know. That's such an important exercise. And I'm so glad, like you're a great uncle. I try. <laughs> you're I a great, try. you're a great uncle. And, uh, um, but the, that's such a, it, it is such a good, it has such a good exercise. And it's like to take it a step further. Like the next thing is, to be able to then argue that oppo your opposing right. point down to the like down to the basics, right. so then you can or you can anticipate where somebody else is going, but it also but it also helps inform your own opinion because yeah. you don't know your own opinion until you know the count until you know the counter. Right. Really, you don't until you can until you can really address and disprove the counter, or maybe not disprove, but at right. least address it in mm -hmm. a in a way. Um, I don't think you can really know exactly how it is that you feel. Um, because obviously if you only know one side of an argument, there's things, there's outside influences that are influencing your, th your thinking. Right. And it's not really your, th it's not really totally your thoughts. So, yeah. And when you know the counter argument, it doesn't come as such a shock or a blow when somebody's like making those counterpoints. Mm -hmm. Like what? Oh God! And then you're panicking to try to like catch up. That, or you don't fall into the well. It's like, well, that's just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like how can how can you think how can you think that? Right. Well, when you thought about the counter argument and you realize that the counter argument is still coming from a a logical standpoint, at least a, like some form of logic. Right. And maybe, and then maybe you can help understand it a little bit better. So you just don't, under, you just don't automatically assume that, that the person that's coming at you is dumb. Right. Like, because they're not. And sometimes the, the answer is, is like literally based on, I could never understand their point of view, mm -hmm. but this is the way that they think. Yeah. You're only really dumb if you 
if you are if you close your if you just completely close your right you're completely close yourself off yeah um i'm having a really hard time with kind of like this basically the same kind of exercise that uh you were having alex do which yeah. is something that i was having a, I'm, I'm still having a hard time because i have like this i've developed over since honestly since i read greg gutfeld's book and i know oh, like, okay. and, and i know that we've had um we've talked about this book even on this podcast right. and obviously like looking back on it now I'm like, Oh my God, like <laughs> I used to hold this book up like on a pedestal. Right. But it really was in a way it was so inf- influential because it, mm-hmm. it, it, it was the thing that first exposed me to my own personal bias and being angry about things because I feel like I should be angry. Right. Versus like there are, I don't have to die on every single hill, right? Mm-hmm. There's not, not every single hill requires me to plant my flag and be like, this is an absolute. There is, is this, I see this yes. as black and white. It opened my mind to being like, there's, there's room for give and take in any sort of, and there's room mm-hmm. for growth in any sort of, in any discussion. And I don't have to be like, I don't have to defend everything to the last, like to the last inch right. of, of, of it. And uh, of that particular argument. And, I'm getting to my point here. And that is like, so I have like this built in, like my own built in hypocrite meter mm-hmm. that is, that goes off when I feel, I feel like there's tension in my head that I'm like, I'm being a hypocrite and okay. I have to resolve that. So a lot of times when I disappear into my own mind, it's either, it's either that or it's something much worse. But the, um, but the, but I'm constantly making sure that I'm staying consistent with the things that I'm saying. Right. Oh, okay. Or things I've said in the past. And mm-hmm. if I'm not being consistent with my, with things that I know I've said in the past, at least in the, re- especially in the recent past, mm-hmm. I have to sit back and I have to resolve that. Otherwise my mind just like, it just, it, 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 that cognitive, my cognitive dissonance dude is like, get to the point where it's like physiological. Like right. I have to resolve these things in my mind. And I'm having that with, I critiqued the, Patriot prayer protesters, the the people who are out with their AR-15s in the middle of lock in the middle of like our quarantine, out there protesting the um the the COVID nineteen restrictions. Right. I critique them mostly be- not because I didn't think that they had the right to assemble, but because of the risk that they were posing to the rest of us, not just by infecting the rest of us, but by th- by them taking it upon themselves to say that them exposing themselves and then potentially taking away public public resources because medical medical supplies are a really a public resource right by them unnecessary i felt was unnecessarily exposing themselves was was on so many different levels really selfish mm-hmm. i was having a really really hard time with then not critiquing the Black Lives Matter protesters for ex- doing the same exposure. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, I'm telling myself, well, those are... They both have the right to assemble. Mm-hmm. They both have the right to protest mm-hmm. things that they they're with their freedom of speech. But how can I protest one? How can I critique one without critiquing the other? So that's where my mind has that is where my mind has been. Right. Because on because I'm like, am I being a am I being a hypocrite? I I came to that 
I've I've come to my I've come to my rationale. Okay. And I'm comfortable with it, but I want to know what you I want to know what your thoughts are before I reveal my before I on reveal the, my rationale. On the two? Yeah. Well, you and I talked a little bit about it and and you you had said something you were like, "Well, if you're okay with them out there assembling, then you you have to also be okay with Patreon prayer." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yeah, I am okay with them." Yeah. I I may not agree. Yeah. I think but then also on the flip side, I get what they're arguing. Mm-hmm. I kind of get it. Yeah. I mean, I uh, if they're if they're if they're if they feel like their rights are being infringed upon and they feel like, you know, it's all a, a ploy, right? Mm-hmm. Which they do feel that way. Yeah, they they do. Then okay. Go ahead, I guess. Like if that's if that's what you're going to if that's the hill you're going to mm-hmm. die on. But are, then are we are we okay mm-hmm. with those? Then so then we're okay with allowing those people in their their fight for what they believe mm-hmm. in to then be taking essentially from the rest of us because they are using they're potentially if they all got infected they would then turn to the public health health care system. Mm-hmm. To receive care, whether mm-hmm. it's public or private, still that is taking beds, that is taking medical supplies, that is taking testing that was at the time really, re- like really scarce. Right. To treat them because they un they that they were putting a they were putting we have to be are we saying we're okay then yeah. with them putting themselves on a public burden over something that they over something that they believe you can't put a price on freedom of speech, baby. Okay. Whatever it costs. All right. <laughs> I don't. I listen. It. It. it, it we're. It, this is different, right? A, mm-hmm. a pandemic. We've never lived through yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Um. So what you're talking about is that is something that we do have to consider. Or we do have to face. That's a reality we have to face. Is like there are medical equipment and supplies that are being overused or that we're lacking. Mm-hmm. Um. And that might be the price. For standing up for what you believe in. Okay. All right. I don't. I don't. I. I. I'm. I'm also conflicted. Do I really mean that? Do I really mean that? Because this is that hi- okay. hypocritical, you know, challenge or fight mm-hmm. within yourself where you're like, okay, I've always said that I'll die for the freedom of speech, mm-hmm. so I have to say that the price of medical equipment is acceptable right mm-hmm. do i have to say that well the the price then is then put a human face to it right you start triaging when you when you run when you don't have enough resources to treat all those infected you have right. to then choose who is most likely the the you know the medical doctrine mm-hmm. is going to you're going to have to start triaging you're going to choose who to give it to based on that uh, based on the person's right. chance of recovery mm-hmm. so are then you start to sacrifice the parts of the population who are at risk right. or are elderly. I mean, right. they're at risk because they're either elderly, have underlying medical right. conditions. Right. Is that, a, is that fair to then ask those people? Yeah. Am I willing to sacrifice my mom for freedom of speech? Essentially she's got underlying health conditions. She's, she's had some lung issues. If she gets this, she dies. If she gets this from somebody from Patriot prayer protesting quarantine, Am I okay with that? Or, or 
that all of the medical supplies are she doesn't even necessarily get it from one of them mm -hmm. she ends up getting it from but there's no resources what, but there's no resources for her to be able to sorry mom care. you gotta die for freedom of speech <laughs> i mean we'll never be able to know for sure. right like we'll never be able to know for sure right but it's i mean this is all theoretical this is, is all theoretical right it but is. that's all we were that's all we've had to go on because like you said this is a pandemic we've never lived through something mm -hmm. like this um this is this is all like the COVID-19 has, like, we talk about mirrors being held up all the mm -hmm. time, right? This has been, like, the best mirror holding up to society. And honestly, also the best civics lesson, real-world mm. civics lesson that any of us have had probably ever in our lives. Right. At least most people. Yeah. Right? Because they're... There are so many things that are bumping up. Like, what is the nature of authority? What is the nature of power? Like, right. how different countries have chosen to 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 handle this? Like, there's mm -hmm. so many different case studies. Sweden didn't do anything, right? right. They just said we're just going to live our lives, and there's some ramifications of that. China just start, decided to completely clamp it down. The United States has done this like half, like yeah. you know, one toe in the water, <laughs> toe out. Like, we're going to wade in so far, but then we're going to pull back, and then we're oh, we got to go back in mm -hmm. a little bit. It's just like. You, there's been so many different yeah. responses to it. And what is the nature of like, what is the role of government in certain, in certain institutions and what you can and cannot do mm -hmm. to try to, to even in a crisis. And then all, then you get into the, the individual aspect of it and the societal aspect and, the, and like, what are like, what is, um, what is your role? Like how much should you be expected to, to sacrifice for the good of the society? Like, right. like, because, there's no, there's nobody in our, there's no government telling us I can't walk outside my door and go see people. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's guidelines and there's like, we would like you to not do that, but I don't, I'm not going to get arrested for going and meeting with people. Right. You and I are sitting, or we're breaking social distancing we right are. now, but to, I guess to what extent is like, is it, is it, is it accept, is like, is it acceptable? Right. And that's and I guess that gets that got me to this is how I ended up rationalizing in my mind that okay. I still feel comfortable critiquing okay the Patriot Prayer protesters versus and I don't tell me if I'm wrong on this okay, because I, I really need feedback okay because in my mind it worked out <laughs> yeah but that's in my mind I don't know what this I don't like know what somebody else is like like you need to like tell like I'm right. looking for because I know I, you'll, you. I know I you'll you. tell me is. But also, but not critiquing the Black Lives Matter, right? Okay, yeah. Utilitarianism. Okay. Jeremy, do you know the theory of utilitarianism? I uh, refresh okay. me. So you th the theory of utilitarianism comes out of the Enlightenment period from Jeremy Bentham. None of that is important. Mm -hmm. But what is important is that. Um, so basically, what he tried to do was. Oh yes, gotcha. So this was in my ethics so course. Utili gotcha. So he tried to take. Um, he tried to quantify. What is the what is like the public what is the pu public you basically make your decisions here I am stumbling oh, oh, oh here we go here we go here we go and uh, so you try to um, the doctrine that actions are right if they are useful for or for the benefit of the majority yes okay yes. so people this people decide you basically make your decisions based on what um, like a government makes their decisions based on what they think is like the majority of the people are going to decide what is right. Right. Okay. So we live in a democracy, mm -hmm. even if it is just, even if it is a republic, which is a form of democracy. Oh, this is interesting where I think you're going. Go ahead. So the whole basis of our, of our, of our government's decision-making mm -hmm. is based on an, on a perception of the aggregate 
opinions mm-hmm. of the masses. Right. So therefore, when we decide what is acceptable usage of public resources, we 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 think about it at we think about it what is if we're going to ask the public to make a sacrifice, we should be doing that based on what we think the aggregate of the public opinion would be to, to they, and then say, we're, we're comfortable sacrificing our public resources for this movement because the aggregate thinks that it's important. Okay. You, could, you can definitely say that the, the Black Lives Matter protests and what that symbolizes and what they're hoping to achieve, mm-hmm. by, the, by the majority of the people say that that is a worthwhile cause and we're willing to make those sacrifices mm-hmm. to achieve something even greater. Right. Because at the end of the day, the, the, the costs of, on, the, on public resources generally are outweighed by the benefits by promoting racial and social injustice. Yeah. So that all America, all Americans have the same constitutional guarantees and equal treatment under the law. Whereas the majority did not believe that what the Patriot prayer protesters were ultimately arguing for was worth those social, the potential tax on social benefits or social resources by the majority. Right. Am I wrong in taking utilitarian argument to justify my seeming hypocrisy? No, you're not wrong. It's just a, where, where's, is it's there, an ethical it, theory that you could apply to making that argument. But then do I have to then take utilitarianism? Here's where, here's where I still am having difficulty. Do I then have to take utilitarianism and apply it to every single situation no, that I use? Oh, gosh, no. Every, every single situation. No. Because if I use utilitarianism here am i then being a a hypocrite if down the road i don't use utilitarianism right to then inform my thinking on another subject because i I love that you're talking about this because i think utilitarianism yeah can then just be used as a as a tool to because a lot of times i talk about well i just last episode i was talking about how capitalism Mm -hmm. protects minor like protects minority opinions yeah and i think democracy especially a representative republic, our form of democracy protects minority de- opinions. The very nature of the uh, of the um, electoral college is to protect minority opinions from the, from the oppression of the majority. Mm-hmm. So I have done all of this. I've done <laughs> all the past. I have gone through and have defended mm-hmm. institutions right. and systems that protect minority opinions right. from the from the oppression of the, of the oppressions of the majority, at least to an extent, right? Yeah. And then here I am using utilitarianism, which is the antithesis of that. Yeah. So, am I a hypocrite, mm-hmm. or should I be critiquing both equally? But there's a social cost. <laughs> but there is a social cost. If I were to come out and say. I don't. I think the page as, as much as I agree with the the Black Lives Matter movement. Right. I don't agree with them exposing themselves to COVID nineteen mm-hmm. because of the risks that it poses to the rest of us. Well, right. then you can. But there's a social cost, and if I were to openly, you, if I were to say that, just said it. There is a social, <laughs> and there's probably going to be like there's going to be a kidding. social cost. Like right. I'm thinking through this. Yes. I don't know if I believe. I don't right. know if I believe that. But so it's an idea. But it's, it's an thought. idea, and 
there's a social cost to be paid mm-hmm. for there. So is that is that the underlying force that is causing me from like coming to that conclusion? I don't know. Right. I'm struggling right now <laughs> with this. I'm just really really struggling just because my 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 the tension in my head just hasn't fully gone away with it. So in the ethics course I just took, like I just feel like there's so many theories and ideas that could be applied to you could literally apply ethical egoism to to this whole scenario where moral agents ought to act in their own self-interest that is a theory of ethics Mm -hmm. so now apply that right or uh deontological where there's a, a set of rules that you must abide by and those rules are the morale okay but then you can you can argue which rules are okay, which rules are acceptable to break, which aren't, and what is the ethics as far as rule breaking. I don't think that applying utilitarianism is wrong. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's wrong. I think that the exercise that you're doing is what's right. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the idea so if someone were to say, Jake, tell me right now, do you Agree or disagree with Black Lives Matter movement getting together in these masses with the risk of COVID nineteen? I think that you want me to answer that. <laughs> you can. In my my heart tells me that that's a worth that's a worthy cause. Okay, okay, I see. But then, but me saying that Black Lives Matter, I mean not Black Lives Matter, sorry, Patriot Prayer, yeah, doing seemingly the same thing is not worth it but then that is my own individual like normative judgment i'm applying and but but that in itself leaves me open to 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 criticism right right because i who am i to attach normative a normative judgment to to something that is a hard and fast like rule of freedom to assemble freedom of speech constitutional guarantees like who am who am I to make that judgment? Here's so some some uh, hypocrisy that I've noticed for myself is like during all of this, like mask wearing, and that's a huge one too, right? Mm-hmm. So when I was going out to the store, I wasn't wearing masks, like I wasn't. Now that there's a mandate, I've been wearing my mask. There's a mandate in Washington. That... I think starting in like a week or something. But oh. I, I work in Oregon. Yeah, I work in Oregon. It started yesterday. Yeah, so yeah. I wore my mask. And then I'm walking around. Nobody's wearing their mask, but I'm wearing my mask. And 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 people were. I saw one Facebook post that said like, wearing a mask three months into a pandemic is like bringing a condom to a baby shower. And I commented, wearing a mask three months into a pandemic is like trying to limit the spread and overuse of medical supplies after everything opens up and everyone comes out. I, know, of I don't see how you don't freaking. I know. Uh, quarantine. Yeah, that that's just not thinking things through before you talk. <laughs> it's trying to be funny. I get it. If it's a joke, it's fine. That's yeah. fine. But if you actually believe that and you're like defiant of wearing masks, it's like, dude, it's not just like you were essential three months ago. Mm-hmm. You were designated as like having to be out there working. The roads were empty. I know, dude. I miss, I miss <laughs> that. <laughs> I miss it. I work in the trucking oh, industry. But as a social understanding or social contract regardless of what the government says or whatever mm-hmm. for those two months everybody was like all right we're not going out 
But then you see little hypocrisies or some things that you question, and then that's where that resentment for that Patriot par- mm-hmm. Prayer builds up, right? Yeah. Hold the hell up. Why is Walmart, Home Depot, et cetera, Target, all these corporations open while small businesses are drowning? Mm-hmm. I, there's an argument to be made there, and yeah. I see that. Yeah. Um, but now you see opening up with regulations on those small businesses, um, hair salons, whatever it may be, right? But if you're going to open up and you're going to have more people out, there's a higher risk. That's why we're asking to wear masks. So yeah. th- that's just all. All of that gets back to your utilitarianism for the greater good. If the majority deems it okay, right? If you look at the Black Lives Matter movement versus <laughs> Patriot Parent in Battleground Washington. Mm-hmm. <gasps> The majority is going to say, like, look, dude, we're fed up with seeing these people be oppressed and persecuted the way that they've been persecuted. It's got to stop. Where the counter argument to the Patriot Prayer business opening is like, no, everybody's kind of on the same page. Like, let's just stamp this down for a minute. Mm-hmm. And those businesses may not reopen. And that's that's terrible for because. Yeah. You know, we, we all know, know people, someone. We, yeah. we all know someone and who might or may not be and my friend the other day was telling us like he might have to close his business down. That breaks my heart. But we can't control this pandemic. We've never seen it before. Yeah. And 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 with the mask wearing, for me it's like I don't know why I didn't wear it in the first time, but I guess it's because limited exposure, I'm not really out, and I wasn't really going out that much. We've been to grocery pickups, mm-hmm. right? Um but now with more people out and more people exposed, how hard is it really just to throw on a mask? It's, I mean, yeah, I know, I I know, right? And it's like, where does that, just where do those, where does that judgment come from? Yeah, I, yeah. I wish I could be an egoist and just be like, well, whatever I believe, I believe, like, yeah. and not questioning myself. But I have to, I have to constantly reflect on the things that I say because let's just face it, Jake has hot takes. Yeah, and Jake has to defend those hot takes. You do, um, because. I was rem- <laughs> I was Trump before I was Trump. Let me um Uh-oh. Now, well, we got to say we have a new we have we'll say that We'll segment, say that. But don't forget. Okay, it's a tweet that I sent out a long time ago. It has nothing to do with with the current racial tensions. Oh, okay. It's just the way in which I wrote it. Uh-huh. Sounds exactly how Trump frames his tweets. Oh, I want to read it. <laughs> read it. Okay. Read hold it. on. All right. So this is something there's no name for this segment yet. Uh, unless you have a name. Um, no. <laughs> okay, so Jake, Jake, we've mentioned before in previous em- episodes how Jake sometimes gets these reminders of things he said on social media, um, and they come up again. And just with the times or with the personal growth, they're kind of cringy or hilarious. Um, and so he wanted to try to go back through social media and find. So I have been doing this also, like finding some things that I've said that are like dumb. Yeah, it's like this didn't age well. Yeah, this didn't age well, right? Yeah. So I've been kind of trying to go through that and find something like that. Um, most of mine I've are actually not. I mean, most of my posts that I get reminded of are like basketball related. Mm-hmm. And some of those didn't age well. Like there was one, a friend tagged me in and he literally commented, this didn't age well, Jeff. And it was me like, dude, LaMarcus Aldridge going to the Spurs. Like I would make that move too. Like they're going to be epic. They're going to be amazing. And then, well, we didn't know Kawhi Leonard was going to leave and then that whole team was going to collapse. But it didn't, it didn't really work. It's never felt like it's worked with him. And my comment was, uh, after he said this didn't age well, I was like, 
LaMarcus had instant regret. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to come back right away. Yeah. He knew he done fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially with that with that franchise. Yeah. Like, because he's anyway, we don't have to talk All right, about this didn't age well. What this do you got? This didn't age well. All right, so this was this is from November 2nd, 2012. So two days okay. before the 2012 election. That would have been between President uh, uh, Barack Obama mm-hmm. and Mitt Romney. So um, this is when I you could text to Twitter and it would oh, post. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you never really knew. And this is when this is before the 160 character mm-hmm. cutoff. So this is like the old cutoff when you like tweets were short. Very, Wasn't very like short. 70 or something? Yeah, it was yeah. really, really short. So... And by texting it in, you never really knew exactly where it was going to cut off because there, on your texts, you didn't... Like, there was no you, there was no There was no character limit. So I said, um, <laughs> this country is facing the biggest, most important directional choice since the Civil War, and I swear people are more interested in who I... Dot, 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 continued... This is the second tweet. Okay. Continued... Dot, 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 People my age are more interested in who is Team Edward or Team Jacob, dot, 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 <laughs> sad, period. I mean, it's, you weren't wrong. <laughs> okay, but Mitt, the choice between Mitt Romney and yeah. Barack Obama being the biggest directional choice since the Civil War, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's ridiculous. But aren't we making that argument now? Yeah, but... But what? There's a massive <laughs> difference between like the different the difference between Mitt Romney and Barack Obama minuscule yeah. in the difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Yes. That's true. Or Mitt Romney and Donald Trump. Yeah. Or Obama and Donald Trump. Or literally any pretty much anybody in not in Donald Trump. Right. Um but I don't I just I just all the dot dot dots and the fact that I ended it was sad. Yeah, just like sad, sad. Like, who was? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, um, uh, yeah, I was. That's a good one. Yeah, it wasn't as so. It's that's, Trumpy. It's very, it's very tr- Trumpy. It's very Trumpy. But people care more about Team Edward or Team Jacob. Sad. I know. So I, <laughs> there's a lot of other real bad ones on yeah. my Facebook, but uh, that's I've, a little introduction. I've grown. I've grown. And, and That's okay. Yeah. yeah anyway, so. I said some dumbass things. Sad. Sad. Uh, okay. So we have another introduction to a segment that you and I have been kind of talking about. We're very emo. We you are, and I. We are very emo. <laughs> um. So you wanted to. You were like, you hear that chopper outside? I do. Get to the chopper. So you hit me up, Government's coming. and I've been, I've been, I've been angry lately dude just bummed out pissed off just by the cards that i've been dealt yes. in life um and it's very understandable and you said like hey why don't this week we pick songs that we um think that like lyrically best reflect kind of where we're at and how we feel and i thought that would be not only a fun exercise but maybe a fun segment mm-hmm so I agree. I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah. And then, so what I, I have a running Say What You Mean playlist that has the album choices from you, me, and CJ. And then I've also added these two songs that you and I are now going to discuss. Perfect. And I thought if we do this, whether it's once a week or every other week or however often this segment comes up, mm-hmm. add those songs to that playlist. Yeah. So they'll always be there. And and I like, I know me and i'm sure you do too because we both love music is yeah. introducing people to the music that we love right and then hearing what they have to say about it yeah um in the background is my choice yeah but 
I think it's great. And then, well, you introduced me to your song. I never heard that before. Dude, it got me right in the right pow, right in the kisser, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so introduce your song. Okay, so this song playing is When I Was Young by Blink-182. I've talked about this before because just with you talking about your depression and I heard this song, I was like, dude, I get this. Well, now, Jeff, in his little anger and depression that he's going through, I'm like, I get it! <laughs> uh, just like with, with, the, with the Dexter's health and stuff and all the infertility and just I'm just feeling... Like you said, f- anger is a secondary emotion, yeah. right? I'm sad, but now I'm just pissed about mm-hmm. it. Um, so it's When I Was Young by Blink-182. Some of the lyrics that really stood out to me is like, first verse and second verse really stand out. It's like, I woke up today surrounded by blackness. The small morning sun devoured the process. It's always been fun when I get a bit nervous, and it's hard to say, I f- but I feel a bit weightless. Mm-hmm. The more I admit... I feel a bit anxious. The more I go on, the less I can face this. And those rotten things that live in our shadows, we walk on the line of death and the gallows and hope that we clear a path we can follow. But then the second verse is like, you know, it's called When I Was Young, young, right? So I really love the second verse. And I started thinking about, like, why this second verse means so much to me. Okay. It's when I was young, the world, it was smaller. The cities were vast. The buildings were taller. I felt really strong. My parents seemed stronger, but life has a way. It showers with greatness, then takes it away. Those pieces that made us then teaches you the things you'd never imagine. We all get the same. The memories, the burdens, the pictures we made, they still form a pattern. They cautiously say, does it all matter? So for that, I'm just thinking about like that. There's, I'm so nostalgic. I love nostalgia. And it's literally the worst. And everybody has it sometimes. Yeah. And it's just like it can it can be something that tortures you, right? Yeah. And I just think about like with Dexter and Dexter dying and like him going through the, what he's been going through. It's like there's so much you real uh, this is going to sound crazy to anyone but you because you're a dog person, mm-hmm. but you you start tying so much of your life to that dog yeah. when you realize that I might not have him tomorrow. Yeah. You realize how much life he brings to your house, how much j- just like everything, um, how you how you notice your partner uh, interacting with that animal. And you're like, holy crap, if this animal's gone, I won't hear that interaction anymore. I won't see that interaction anymore. There was a day where we dreamt that he would be curious about Jen's pregnant belly. Mm. Which will never happen. So these are things that I think about, right? Yeah. But then I start thinking about with those lyrics, like when I was young, the the world it was smaller, the cities were vast, the buildings were taller. Mm-hmm. It felt I felt really strong, and my parents seemed stronger. But now that I'm older and I'm 33, and I could literally be a foster dad in a month, dude. Yeah. I think about you get to know your parents and the more, the more that I've, I, I grow older and I have a conversation like my, my family is going through a lot like in my, in my nucleus as far as like my parents and mm-hmm. stuff, they're dealing with a lot right now. And my mom calls me and we talk about this stuff. You realize that you, when you're a kid, you put them up on this pedestal and they're yeah. your parents and they're never wrong and they're strong as hell. Yeah. Like I'm a strong kid, but, but then it's, you, it's also safety. Right, right. Yeah. But then you get older and you're like, these are just humans, dude. Mm-hmm. At one at one point, they were my age. And they could just as well be dealing with everything that I'm dealing with. 
So then it gets me thinking about just how innocent you think as a child and how now possibly bringing children into my home, how innocent they might mm-hmm. be feeling. But they're also coming from trauma yeah. and how I have a responsibility and I have a role. And those things change me and get me hopeful. Yeah. But I'm angry, dude. Your trauma... Um, <laughs> Trauma is its own is its own beast. It's in, and everybody has different trauma, but it always can like the smallest. And I'm saying that not in a normative way, but the smallest trauma mm-hmm. compared to the biggest trauma can have the same effects on different people. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things you realize when you go through uh, a recovery process and right. you're surrounded by people who are suffering from the same things you are. Is that it's is is one don't come don't i think you do that i think um people who haven't gone through the recovery process who are still struggling with things that haven't got to the point where they need they have to have been forced to address it mm-hmm. then you also i think you do this to yourself when you're in recovery and that is that you um some people tend to do this uh they and then you do it to yourself is that you you um you compare your experiences and then you invalidate your own feelings <laughs> yeah. because you don't, it's like, well, that person's is way, like that person's situation is way worse than mine. I, was literally, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Yeah. And that's not a fair thing because those, those feelings seem valid to you regardless of whether the outside world thinks they're valid or yes, not. Yes. And that doesn't change. That's not going to change those thoughts and those feelings in your own mind. So be one, be fair to yourself. Yeah. And two, don't, don't try to uh, apply judgment to don't try to apply judgment to others. It's not a, it's not a comparison. We can all find regardless of our own past experiences, we can all find solidarity. We can all find, um, and we can all, we can all share feel like how we felt in certain situations because those, those trans, those transcend individuals, but the experiences don't, we can never fully understand each one of our own experiences because we didn't see it through each other's eyes mm-hmm. at the time that it happened. Cause we all have our own perspective perceptions, but we can all help each other in those moments right. because we've all felt those feelings. We've all felt feelings of inadequacy, unworthiness, sadness, um, mm-hmm. feeling less than feeling undeserving of, of like of, of whatever right. we've all felt what that feels like. And then we've all felt what it, what comes after that, the secondary emotions of, of implosion of feeling like you, you don't want to be here anymore. Cause that mm-hmm. pain is so bad. Right. Or we take it out on the people around us because we, ex- we explode and then we want to shed that pain onto other people. Cause we're mad. We're, we're, we're angry I've because of that, that sadness. I've been doing that. And that is, it's, it's, um, and, and it's really, it's really, really hard. And it's, and it's being able to name the primary emotions mm-hmm. gives you power over that. Right. And I think that when you were talking about these lyrics, one of the things like I really, I really attached to was like this feeling like when you're young, you have like this sense of wonder. Mm-hmm. And I think when you was talking about the, the buildings seemed taller, the mm-hmm. cities were vast. Mm-hmm. It's just like sense of discovery. And right. I think you lose like in, the, yeah. in that is like there's an innocence in that discovery. Like there's this excitement. And as life starts to just beat you up mm-hmm. and you start to the weight of like there's things I can't do mm-hmm. because of whatever my situation I came from, you start to build that resentment and you lose that sense of discovery. And then and it's trying to redis- rediscover right. that feeling that you get in being excited about certain things. Like you said it, like you could be a foster parent in a month. Yeah. That's exciting. It is. And so, t- but don't dislike, <laughs> like what we do when we're sad is that we, 
like the human mind mm-hmm. weights negative thoughts three times ha- heavier oh, yeah. than positive oh, thoughts. Yeah. So you need three positive things to outweigh one <laughs> negative thing. Yeah. Just to equal. I know. And it's so hard to I do know. that. And But it, you have to train. And it's all about training your brain. And all of us start it from different points. And right. people with really bad, like really, I'll never be able, like, I'll never be able to understand people who have dealt with serious trauma in their mm-hmm. lives. Speak, like PTSD is its own thing. It's going to have its own ramifications. It's going to have its own behaviors. Mm-hmm. And I'll never fully be able to understand that. Um, but... I don't know, like the, but we can all share in that recovery. We can all share in that recovery process, and like I'm so, like I'm so excited for you to be able to be a foster parent because I think you'll, you're, you're going to be able to help these people and mm-hmm. like these kids in such a positive way. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, parents too. Yeah, helping parents. Um, I was going to say that I've been my secondary has been anger, but also like, like you're saying you lash out to other people and Jen's like, dude, you've been super mean lately. And it's like, I know I have. And when you're talking about discovery, it's me. There is a little bit of a, of that discovery that you can appreciate and enjoy where it's like, you're discovering like, Oh, this is how I'm behaving. And then you break that down. Mm -hmm. That is a level of discovery of like, okay, let's get to the root of this. Yeah. And then we, I open up and we talk and I'm like, you know, I've been having a really hard time lately as far as like being angry about the cards I've been dealt. Mm -hmm. And even just going through that makes the anger less. Yeah. Um, one thing I, the lyrics I really wanted to point out here is, um, but life has a way it showers with greatness, then takes it away. Those pieces that made us then teaches us, teaches you things you'd never imagine. Yeah. We've talked about being built for this. Mm -hmm. You don't, get built for this by an easy path. No. You know what I mean? You don't get here and the anger is just, and then now talking to the anger is going to make me stronger. Mm -hmm. It's going to make me a better person. So I know that there's positivity and greatness to come from this, but I just, you get over it. You get over the sadness, you get over the anger, you get over all of it. And it's just like, can someone just throw me a freaking bone here? Right. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> not that you, I'm preaching to the choir I know that but I mean it's well, just like I mean you guys have dealt with so many things so over so it. many things <laughs> and dude I, I just I, I, I have said you it may not it, when you're in a depressed state mm-hmm. you become you get tunnel visioned and, yes. you, and you forget about the people that are around you yeah. and then like the things that the, even when you are cognizant of them being there, yes, their words of encouragement just fall on your deaf ears because you just don't want you just don't want to hear it. Your mind is so focused on like everything sucks right now. Mm-hmm. You telling me that everything's going to be okay, like how the hell can you know that, <laughs> right? Um, right? And please just but don't right. just please like my feeling like so. Here's the thing: like cognitive distortions, right? Mm-hmm. And there's. 10 major ones and one of the biggest ones is fortune telling is that because and, and we do this Jeff we're researchers this is why I brought up the, the, the thing of research like researchers okay. researchers always want to control like we in order to research you have to control and predict right right it's it's making taking everything as a constant and then making predictions based off of those constants. Okay. Right. So you, you have to hold variables as constant, which is impossible to do when you're talking about humans, because mm-hmm. humans are the most unpredictable things. They're not right. constant. They're constant. People are constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Every individual is changing in their own way and it's unpredictable. You cannot know how other somebody else is going to change. So try but we do this all the time is try to predict future outcomes. Yes. And then but 
and then we and then we build our reality mm-hmm. based off of that and it's almost like self-fulfilling prophecies and we're constantly thinking that things are going to go bad because we because in our world patterns yes. we see patterns and then patterns make rules oh dude I'm, right? I'm so I'm so that so <laughs> but it's it's breaking that and it's even harder because that cognitive distortion right it frames your thinking yeah. so then those feelings that come from that thinking are legitimate. Yeah. They're valid feelings because they're coming from thoughts. So right. you feeling sad, you feeling unhopeful for the future because right. of, pa- of because like what seeming is patterns of, of you're making these everything. It always goes this way. Right. Like you feeling that is valid based off of your thinking. Mm-hmm. And then your those behaviors that then come from those feelings are all, like you can understand why that behavior has manifested in that right. way because those feelings are valid, but it's the thinking. So how, how do you reframe it? And this is so hard to do, but it's it training is, is that you have to stop that, that linear process from thinking feelings to behavior mm-hmm. at the thinking to feeling transition. Right. So you have to stop yourself and saying, okay, why am I thinking this? Mm-hmm. Reframe your thinking and being like, I don't know how this is going to turn out right. because I can't predict the future. Getting rid of that ego because as a like I know for me, I have a lot of ego because mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm like I'm such a good analyst, right? I can <laughs> I can like I make all these predictions and then when they turn out true, um and then you but then you also like you discount like all the positive stuff mm-hmm. is like becomes anomalies mm-hmm. or outliers because the negative is the rule. Right. Because I get what you're so it it's really, really difficult to not it's really difficult to not to not do that. Right. The other thing I, I got from from that song is like the chorus where it's like it's the, it's worst, the worst day of my damn, life, damn, and then you got the damn. the you got the the harmony behind it saying it doesn't hurt it doesn't much. hurt that much. Mm-hmm. That's like something you try to like tell yourself, like all the time. It's like it doesn't it doesn't hurt that it doesn't it doesn't hurt that much, right? But that's what you say outwardly, mm-hmm. but in your mind, yeah, it fucking hurts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great point right there. And just being honest, yeah, with how much it hurts, yeah. to the people around you, yeah, gives the people around you an, more of an understanding of how bad it really is because they can never know. Like those smiles, yeah. the fake smiles yeah. you put on, people think everything's okay. Yeah, so, be honest with yourself. That's authentic. Yeah, there was a point in this infertility journey where people are like, "Hey, how are you guys doing?" And we would just smile and say, "We're doing pretty good." But then there was this moment where we turned and both of us just said, I'm done pretending. If people ask, I'm just going to straight up be like, it sucks. Yeah. It's not good. It's not fun. We're miserable. Our hearts are broken and this is sad. Mm-hmm. And, and and sometimes, you know, she, she mentioned sometimes there's a little bit of resentment. Like, they still don't get it. Yeah. And it's like, they're never going to get it. Yeah. But at least if we're honest and say, like, we're sad. At least they are aware we're sad. Yeah. And nobody wants to hear, hey, how you doing? I'm sad. Nobody wants to hear that, right? So no. then how they react is something else you can't control, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But at least you were honest and you now have given them the opportunity to react or whatever. Yeah. Um, because there's some sort of, there is a bit of shame in admitting that you're sad. Right. And yeah. being vulnerable enough to be like, I'm feeling sad. Yeah helps it helps you for sure it really does i like, think so gives, gives you ownership of mm-hmm. it and ownership and understanding is the first step in recovery yeah is knowing what the issue is and being able to name it yeah um so yeah i mean dude you know i'm always here for you yeah i was even and you're talking about comparison i'm like dude you're way better at being there for me than i am for you and you're like don't compare yeah don't compare <laughs> 
Dude, because you're, you're not. Dude. You know. have been exactly what I've needed at so many different points throughout my own process. You have no idea how how positive this friendship is. Right. And when, when you said, like, I'm not, like, I was like, how fucking ridiculous is that? I'm like, <laughs> I can tell you. It's felt like, you that have, way. like, no idea. You have no idea how much this friendship and so many different levels have meant to me. Right. It's just like when you said about the whole comparison thing, I'm like, it wasn't like, what the comparison. I'm just like, I know I was just like, holy crap. Like he's saying exactly what I need to hear. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's what that was. Sure. All right. So I named this segment. I didn't say it, but I said I called it. We can change it. But it's I I wrote down. They said it best. So this is say what you mean. Right. Yeah. And we always say what we always try to say Mm -hmm. what we mean. But this is an exercise where we get to look at others saying what mm-hmm. we feel. Yeah, I think I love that name. Okay, they said it best. So All right. your choice was, uh, go ahead, just take it uh, over. It's uh, it's called "Nobody Knows" mm-hmm. um, by the Lumineers. Okay, and it's a song I've come across recently. Uh, this is the great thing about Pandora, and the. You use Pandora? Yeah. Well, on Shuffle, because it it, 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 it it plays so many different things right. that you would have never thought to listen to mm-hmm. and exposes you to bands. Oh, that, yeah. Um, otherwise, other, otherwise you just fall into the same pattern of listening to the same stuff over I and over again. I do that all the time. And this song came across in uh, my Joshua Hislop mm-hmm. uh, play uh, station on Pandora. And it resonated with me on so many different things. One, it's not a very linear song where there's like a chorus and lyrics. Okay. It's just kind of, thank you for pulling up those. I had them on yeah. my phone, but my phone's not out. And because it just, there are just certain things that we all struggle with. And I think the, the first one is here is nobody knows how to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. It's It seems so easy till you try. Then the moments passed you by, nobody knows how to say goodbye. Right. And there are so many times I think, like, I hate the idea of goodbyes. Right. I have such a relationship dependency. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest causes. I use relationships like drugs. For sure. And I've, when you talk about, like, when you're talking about, you wrap so much around Dexter, right? Mm-hmm. And future expectations. And it's like part of your identity is then tied to that dog, right. to that relationship. Mm-hmm. And in a way, that's always going to happen always. with anybody in your life. Right. But there's it comes to a point to where you become so over dependent that it's not healthy, and yeah. because you have you don't know who you are outside when it becomes and it's unhealthy when it becomes you don't know who you are outside of that relationship. Sometimes that's how we feel about this damn dog, dude. <laughs> it's I so know, stupid. but I mean, and there are a few relationships where that's that is a that's a level to where it's going to reach right obviously with your significant other right obviously with family members Mm -hmm. like your dog Mm -hmm. when you hold dogs as family members i don't give a shit what you think right if you don't think a a dog is your family a family member you're not a good dog i think there's an element there too where when you go through infertility and you Mm -hmm. can't have kids you just naturally as a nurturer when you have love to give it is directed at those dogs like these are your kiddos like Mm -hmm. i know people hate when you humanize dogs but also for those who shit on people for humanizing dogs like imagine not being able to have children then what do you do yeah you we're going to foster to be foster parents right and that's a great avenue to go but in the meantime all we've had is these puffs so how do you feel now fuckers <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh, no, i'm good. still not making an instagram go you're, ahead you're good uh, you're good 
and for me, I've said I've said this outwardly to to multiple people. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish that in every relationship that it's going to come to a natural end, mm-hmm. that I spend the last moments with those people, not knowing that it was the last moment. Right. I could just gradually just like yeah. have the, that relationship fade into the darkness or fade into fade into just fade in, out of my life mm-hmm. as if I didn't know that it was happening because Ooh. I can't let do I have such a hard time of not like of not having those like that relationship in my life and a lot of it has to do with people remaining like I this, this belief that everybody's remaining constant mm-hmm. in that people aren't naturally just going to come in and out of your life as mm-hmm. an ebb and flow. And then that them leaving isn't a reflection on me. Right. Like them relieving is it, them leaving is not a, it's not a reflection of my unworthiness to have that relationship. It's just understanding that people change, mm-hmm. people move, people mm-hmm. move on, move, people move past things. And in that moment, you can, you can, you can love the moments that you're having and be present in those moments right, without right. placing all sorts of like future expectations. And if it doesn't work yeah. out and if it doesn't work out this way, like then who am I? Right? right. So like when, and then, so when like that relationship ends and that person's no longer in your life anymore, that in those, those, those ideas about the future then disappear mm-hmm. and you're just in your left holding like this bat, you're like, you're left sitting there. Like all of my future plans are gone. I don't know who I am. And then boom. Yeah depression sets in right and that's something i have done with with multiple relationships in my in my Mm -hmm. life and it has been probably the primary cause to my really deep spirals Mm -hmm. into chronic to like wanting to end my lifestyle depression and so um i think that the next verse here talks about nobody knows um nobody knows how to get back home and i think that that's difficult too because i think that gets um and we set out so and, and, and we said it and we set out so long ago searched mm-hmm. the heavens and the earth below i think that that for me that's talking about being able to admit when you're wrong yeah um and being able to apologize and own your part in any particular thing happening right and right. like so people that you want to return to you've because we're Really, this I get back to this quote that my grandpa said one time, and it's really stuck with me. Is like relationships don't end unless they end badly, and I think that's because one, we don't know how to say goodbye, mm-hmm. so we hold on to things for too long, and then mm. it ends up souring the relationship and souring those memories too, which is tragic. Right. And I think so. It's hard to go back home when you've like a relationship is seemingly ended because it's ended on bad terms. Right. And there's ego at play. You don't want to say I'm, you don't want to be the one to say I'm sorry. Cause that's vulnerable, right? Like you could have the suckers pay off. What if you went and you, you, and there's like this worry that goes on in your mind. Mm-hmm. Like if I go and I'm the first to apologize and that's not reciprocated, like that's going to hurt. Right. Because I'm being vulnerable, but that person's telling me like, or you're like, you know, you're wrong. And then mm-hmm. like, you want to say sorry, but you don't want to take, like, you don't want to have the other person say like, yeah, you hurt me because that kind of sucks to yeah, know that you yeah. hurt somebody else. So you yeah. kind of want to, you want to avoid that uncomfortable, for sure. That, un, that uncomfortable talk. So like where it could have been tragic, like the real tragedy is like you could have repaired that relationship right. but because you're on, you don't want to have that uncomfortable talk. You don't know, you yeah. don't know how to go back home. Right. Right. We all struggle with that. For sure. Um, and then I think the last one was, uh, nobody knows, uh, the last verse that really stuck with me is nobody knows how the story ends. Live the day, do what you can. This is only where it begins. 
nobody right. knows where the story ends. And I think that gets to uh, me talking about the, the predicting of the future. Right. You don't know how the story ends. So be present in the day right. and don't wor- like have your eye on the future, but mm-hmm. don't become so consumed and creating a reality right. that you're trying to get to be present in the process and let, let that process lead you to the ends instead of having the ends drive your process. Oof. So yeah. that's, I mean, yeah. it's something that I think we all can relate to, <laughs> right? Sure. We all have experiences in our life that all of these things we can relate back to. And regardless of those experiences that we all, are all individual to our own, mm-hmm. all of those feelings are universal. Those feelings are universal because we're all human. Right. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's that was a song. good one. That one got me all choked up thinking about Dexter and thinking about life, thinking about everything we're going through, everything we've gone through. <sighs> yeah. So, but uh, you don't know. You don't know where you're going. And I think I think there's truth and, and power into what you're saying as far as like the day to day. Live it while you're there, while you have it. Um, and there's some people who can naturally do that. Yeah. And there are people who struggle with different forms of mental health where that becomes increasingly more difficult. Right. And so it's really, really, really hard <laughs> to do those things. Mm-hmm. Like like you can have it pointed out to you like, like here, here's a tool. And you can say all the right things, but then when it comes to actually implementing those mm-hmm. tools, like you're there's, you're going to stumble. Yeah, and it's it's celebrating your progress instead of feeling bad about what you haven't accomplished yet. Dude, I have a ton of great shit coming up. Mm-hmm. I'm about to move into this house and become a foster parent, and Dexter's still around for now, and, and have a master's degree. Yeah, this is gonna be badass. <laughs> it is badass, but. My boss was like, hey, when are you finishing your school? When is your master's over with? And I was like, oh, the winter of 2021. And then he was like, oh, that's soon. And I was like, wait, is that right? And that's right. Yeah. That's insane. Bad ass, dude. I also have some projects I've been uh, contacted for that I'll tell you about often. Okay. That cool. are kind of exciting. This well, has been fun. This has been awesome. But we're not done yet. I have one last thing to right. bring up to okay. you. Okay. Sounds good. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, They Said It Best. We'll bring it back. Um, I'll share a link to the the playlist of the music we've talked about in the past. Uh, Like I said, Jake introduced me to that Lumineer song, which is great because I'm just stuck in this cycle of Blink-182, Killswitch Engage, (laughs) MXPX, He is Legend, whatever. Uh, Oh, I will say, I want to say this real quick. Um, I was just, uh, got in a YouTube rabbit hole, one of Jake's infamous YouTube rabbit mm-hmm. holes, and I found, I stumbled on, uh, I was watching guitar players and drummers, and then I came up to Tom Morello. Okay. I don't know if he has his doctorate in political science, but he went to Harvard, I think. Wow. For political science. He's smart as hell. He's a guitar player for Rage Against the Machine. And I watched this YouTube video of him, like, he, he, he explains in the YouTube video, he's like, you know, when I, I, you know, I watch the Satriani and the Steve Vai and the Yngwie Malmsteen, watch all these great guitar players and got, you know, the, I practice, I put my two, two, 20,000 hours into it, learned how to shred, right? He goes, but then somebody once told me, you know, everything that you think you're going to do on a guitar has already been done. And he's like, but I sat there and I thought, well, the electric guitar is a relatively new instrument. How can everything be done on it? And then they show just a highlight of him playing playing this instrument in a way I've never seen it played before. And I'm like, holy hell, what a beautiful way to think. So then that put me down this Tom Morello rabbit hole. I started listening to Rage Against the Machine. I started listening to uh, Audio Slave. Mm-hmm. And how whatever you think about uh, either band, the guitars, dude, 
they they rock. Mm-hmm. He's so good. Um, but then you get into like Rage is like a political band, yeah. and all their lyrics are political, and I'm just like, hell yeah, preach it! Like I'm so into it. Um, so those are some new bands that I've kind of kind of yeah. dive, mm-hmm. dove into. Um, point I wanted to get to. Last point I wanted to make, and just have a little discussion about. Because I do have to go to work, and we're pushing it here, but screw it. Uh, did you know Zoomers are hating on Millennials? And did you also know that they're called Zoomers? What? Generation Z. Okay. They're calling themselves Zoomers? I don't know if or they're... Or is that a name that we're attributing to them? I, just people have been calling them Zoomers. I've not heard that, but okay. Okay. So, this Generation Z, Zoomers, and they are all on TikTok, and this is the most revealing thing about being a millennial that I have. But apparently they're all on TikTok and they're all making videos like mocking millennials like, oh, what house of Harry Potter are you from? And like, oh, yeah. Making fun of our nostalgia. Oh, yeah. Just like, oh, Harry Potter. We are a very nostalgic generation. Yeah. Well, and it was just like one of the videos was like, or one of the comments was like, why are you worried about what house of Harry Potter you're in when you're living in a one bedroom apartment? You should worry about your real life house. Like just dogging on millennials, dude. And like making fun of like plant parents because millennials are all about plants and like having plants at home. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And just like, they're just ripping on us, dude. Like, Oh, hashtag I'm adulting right now. And like just ripping on millennials for just the, <laughs> And not that they're not wrong, like we do say lame things, but yeah, they're they're coming at us, man. Well, I also noticed that Gen Zs, uh, in their own way, are, I don't know if they're nostalgic, yeah, but they try to uh, co-opt decades that they didn't grow up in. Yeah, oh yeah, mainly the nineties. Yes, yep. Um, but the TikTok thing that I I, I think saw this was, chick on TikTok yeah. wearing like a th- a Thrasher's shirt, like a, thra- a th- Thrasher a, skateboards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they'll wear, like, what's it called? Like, uh, Def Leppard shirts. Mm-hmm. It's like, you've never listened to Def Leppard in your life. Yeah. Stop it, you mm-hmm. poser. Exactly. Gen Z is a bunch of posers. That's what I'm going to say. Well, they're, they're... I hope no one they're is all, a gener- they're, 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 <laughs> Gen Z listening. We may have... Like, millennials might have been the first hipsters, but this is the first generation that has totally gone hipster. But they're they, raised by hipsters. Dude, they... May, I guess maybe. Yeah. They co-opt worse... They co-opt generations and cultures i think worse than any hipster has ever done i think that's well i don't know we're biased maybe in decades <laughs> like i don't know you don't get to like you don't get to have nostalgia about the we 90s so when old. you weren't even born in the effing 90s Denim, Jake. <laughs> quotes include millennials have no drip and millennials are so cringe the best part of this is like it's all done on TikTok, and anytime someone brings up TikTok to me, they're like, "Yeah, do you have TikTok?" I'm like, "No, I'm an effing adult." Well, that is the most millennial thing you could possibly say. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's it's a it's a it's a I'm older now thing to say because boomers would say the same they thing. Would. Gen, We're just Gen Y boomers. would say the exact same thing. It's not unique to a, a generation. It's unique to you when you reach a certain age, certain things begin to not matter as much. Here's a quote. Uh, I hate adulting. Just give me a slice of pizza and wine. Like, Rebecca, you're 32 and an alcoholic. Please sit down. <laughs> not wrong. They hate us. Okay, but the children hate okay, us. It might be Rebecca's, but the, that's basically you could plug Karen into the same thing, and then you've got a Gen Y. We get it. You're a '90s kid. 
Okay, the 90s thing is a real thing. It is a real There's thing. So much. Okay, the 90s were a terrible but great decade, and we grew up in that decade, so... Someone said, a millennial chirped back and said, didn't y'all eat Tide Pods? Yeah, I mean, that's a cheap <laughs> shot, but you're taking cheap shots at us, too. Yeah, so. suck it. Anyways, I just thought it was funny. That is funny. We've talked about generational differences mm-hmm. before on the show, and I just stumbled upon on this TikTok just it, that's roasting us. weird to me because that's the first time that a younger generation has been able to poke at us. Usually yeah. the, usually it's directional, but from the older coming yep. at millennials. Mm-hmm. Now it's coming from both sides, yep. man. Millennials are surrounded. We're the 101st Airborne here at Bastone. We're, we're screwed. They're all around us. We're all by ourselves. Dude, millennials get shit on by everybody. Everyone. Boomers and Zoomers, dude. Are we moomers? <laughs> so we were moomers? Moomers, boomers, and zoomers, baby. God. All right. Just, I mean, we should join forces with the You know which one? Zoomers. Gen Y. Oh, here we go. Gen Y gets lumped in with boomers. Yeah. But they have their own issues that they need to work out. Gen Y. Is that that's older between, than? No, it's between boomer and millennial. Oh, So okay. Gen Y is like 40-year-olds right now. Oh. No, I think boom millennials are forty, dude. Mm-mm. No, the elder millennial will be like thirty-seven right now. Oh, okay. By whose definition, Jake? True. <laughs> it's all a mindset. All right. Anyways, I gotta go to work. Thanks right, for dude. hanging. You're welcome. Bye. Love you Thank you.